Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, we'll focus on heart health and the American Heart Association's designation of February as Heart Month. You'll hear about the prevention and treatment of heart-related health issues from Dr. Donald Lloyd-Jones, the former president of the American Heart Association and the current chair of the Department of Preventive Medicine at Northwestern University. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Donald Lloyd-Jones. Don, good morning, man. Welcome. Wonderful to have you with us. Thank you, Dave. Good morning. It's great to be with you. And February is Heart Month, so it is really important that we help people focus on their hearts this month, especially with Valentine's Day coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Here we had Super Bowl Sunday. New Orleans can't do anything small, so you have Mardi Gras. But we also have Lundi Gras, which is Monday, Fat Monday. So we had Super Bowl, <laughs> Lundi Gras, Mardi Gras. Then we have Ash Wednesday. It's like a forfer here for events around here. But one of the things that I'm so proud about is that radio really is the thing that kind of kick-started, if you will, the American Heart Association, not medically, of course, but within the hearts and minds of the American public, the awareness campaign that was started back in the year that I was born, 1948. And there was a radio program at the time called Truth or Consequences. They had a contest. If you could identify the walking man, they just had a sound effect of a guy walking. You could win a prize. You had to send in a little letter of 25 words or less to say who it was and why you thought that and why it's important for your heart to be healthy. And then you gave a donation and somebody wins. They raised about one and a half million dollars in 1948. And as you know, Don, that is equivalent to about 19 million today. But you know what I found before we kind of dig into your contribution in terms of tools for us, the Life's Essential Eight, I thought maybe we'd play just a few seconds of the Jack Benny show because Jack Benny was the walking man. He was the mystery man. And it took a couple of months for somebody to call in to Truth or Consequences, guess Jack Benny. So here's a little bit of Jack Benny talking about the American Heart Association. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to join Ralph Edwards in thanking the millions of people who entered the Walking Man contest and contributed so generously to the American Heart Association. These contributions totaled over one and a half million dollars, and this money will be used for scientific research to combat heart disease, America's number one killer. Even though this contest is over, fundraising campaigns will continue because the need is still great. I also want to congratulate Ralph Edwards for the wonderful job he's doing and thank him for inviting me to participate in such a worthy cause. Dr. Lloyd-Jones, I'm kind of paralleling Jack Benning to FDR and what FDR did for polio, the March of Dimes. This was a Mm -hmm. real kickoff for the American Heart Association. So there's the history. We won't dwell on the history anymore. But I found that and I thought, wow, I can't believe I found that piece because I don't think a lot of folks know about that. And frankly, I didn't either, to tell you the truth. 
Yeah, I think just really quickly, the history is worth recounting, just so people are aware, as you pointed out, six cardiologists came together here in Chicago, actually, in 1924, Mm -hmm. because they recognized the epidemic of heart disease that was building. You mentioned since 1921, heart disease has been the leading cause of death and disability for Americans every single year, including up to now. So we have had a huge fight on our hands. The American Heart Association has been leading the way for that as a huge not-for-profit organization that is funding science. We actually funded our first science in 1948, the year you were born, as a result in large part of the campaign that you mentioned that Jack Benny helped with. We advocate for healthier schools, healthier school meals, just a lot of population health. And we also are in hospitals helping doctors take better care of patients with heart disease and with stroke because we're also the American Stroke Association. So AHA really touches all of our lives, even though you may not be aware of it day to day. It's there really working hard to make sure we have a healthier environment, a healthier population, and better health care when we need it. It's really a remarkable organization, and I'm so proud to be associated with it. I'm going to dip into just a little more history here because we would be remiss if we didn't also mention another sort of milestone. Unfortunately, the milestone was in 1955 when President Eisenhower had his heart attack. Then public awareness was kind of rekindled, of course. And then in 1964, about 10 years later or so, President Johnson proclaimed, as you mentioned, February is American Heart Month. So here we are. Here we are. That's right. And it's worth remembering what President Eisenhower's experience was. He had a massive heart attack and they put him to bed for six weeks. That was the treatment in the 1950s, really even until the 1970s. We didn't have much to offer heart patients in terms of both immediate recovery or avoiding the consequences of a heart attack, but then we didn't know how to prevent a second heart attack. And the science that AHA has funded, second only to the federal government in funding science on heart disease, almost $6 billion now that the AHA has invested in that science, has really transformed how we treat people with heart problems, and even more importantly, how we prevent heart disease in the first place so that people don't have that first heart attack or first stroke and can live longer, healthier lives. When you go to the American Heart Association's webpage, you'll see Dr. Donald Lloyd-Jones goes through the American Heart Association's Life's Essential Eight. That's the link. You click on that link and it'll take you right to the Life's Essential Eight pages. You cover all the bases here. Let's face it, nothing on here surprises us, right, in terms of what we need to do. I hope not. But I think it actually packages it in a way that's really important. We've made huge strides against heart disease, even though it is still the number one killer of Americans. We've reduced death rates due to heart disease by 70% since the early 1970s. 70%. I mean, this is a huge success story, and yet we still have so much to do. So in the last 15 years, the Heart Association has continued our really important work kind of preventing deaths due to heart disease and trying to prevent heart attacks and strokes. But we've also pivoted to try to change the messaging to one of health promotion. How can people actually feel better, not just avoid disease, but actually feel better and live longer, healthier lives? And I think this Life's Essential 8 platform that we're talking about is really the key to both measuring your cardiovascular health, your heart and brain health, but also monitoring it over time and figuring out what you need to improve. Because the really important message here is small changes can make a big difference and the earlier you start, the better. It is never too late, but the earlier you start, the better it will be in terms of promoting your health and helping you live that longer, healthier life. So we can dig into what the eight components of Life Essential 8 are if you'd like and kind of walk through those. 
Let's do that. The first one is eat better. And again, I don't know that anybody should be surprised about that, but a lot of folks say, well, eating better means less taste, less fun, less satisfaction. But the fact of the matter is, I kind of like to parallel things. As you know, we're talking to folks in the trucking industry. Most of our listeners are in trucks driving as we speak in all kinds of conditions. They have a hard time finding the right foods out on the road, and that's a real challenge, and it's been a challenge, of course, continues to be, but that's getting a lot better, too. But the thing of it is, wouldn't you rather drive a better truck? In other words, why wouldn't you want to eat better? It'll taste better. It's better stuff. It's going to help you live longer. Just like a better truck will help you make more money and drive longer. Yeah, it's all about the fuel you put in the truck. The fuel you put in the truck is the food we're putting in our bodies. Unfortunately, as you're pointing out, it's all too easy to get ultra-processed foods that have been ground into almost unrecognizable as food, right? And that have a lot of preservatives and other chemicals in them. Eat food that looks like food. So very vegetable-forward, very fruit-forward. There's amazing taste in that stuff. It might take a couple weeks to get used to that new taste, but it's incredibly flavorful. Most of the plate should be fruit and vegetables. Then protein's important, but it should be as lean as possible really try to avoid the fats that come in red meats and processed meats. And then a little bit of starch is okay, but if you can make it as whole grain as possible, that's even better. But really, fruit and vegetable forward is the key to success, I think, in terms of the quality of our diets. And I think I heard, and I may be wrong here, but if you shop around the walls of a grocery store and stay out of those middle aisles where the boxes are, I've always been told that's where to shop. We're going to take a break right here, as you can hear, but we'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit more about eating, but then we'll talk about activity, too, how you can actually be in better health after a heart attack than you were before the heart attack. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Highway Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to The Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on The Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of The Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Yep, the sounds of Mardi Gras on this Fat Tuesday here on the Dave Nemo Show, Sirius XM, the Road Dog Channel. So wherever you are, we're going to throw some beads at you. (laughs) Dr. Donald Lloyd-Jones is with us, past president of the American Heart Association. You head up the preventive medicine department there at Northwestern University. We're going to move on from food, but I just wanted to say that one of the things that kind of makes it easy, in a sense, to shop is the heart checks on labels and things like that. If you see that, you're going to be in pretty good shape, right? That's right. The American Heart Association vets foods that we're asked to vet to make sure that they actually comport with our guidelines about what comprises healthier eating habits. And you'll see this on things that have a lot more fiber in them and a lot less salt in them and a lot less sugar generally. So it's definitely one thing you can look for. But again, also look for things that actually look like food that grow on trees or on plants. <laughs> Fruit and vegetable forward is a great kind of way to go. 
I would summarize the healthy behaviors part of the Life's Essential Eight as the four things we focus on. We've mentioned eating healthy, moving more every day, physical activity, avoiding nicotine in all its forms, and healthy sleep. So important for actually all the rest of it. So yeah, it sounded like you wanted to talk a little bit more about physical activity. I think so because, again, trucking used to be a rough and tumble. I've been doing trucking radio for 50 years, but if you go back to the 1950s, 1960s, into the 70s, kind of 80s, in the 80s, trucks became more and more, I'll say luxurious, because some of the new Volvos are actually luxurious. The same interiors that you'll see in the cars are in the trucks. So the ride is very smooth. Steering is easy. There's no more Armstrong steering, as the drivers used to call it and you're not bounced around and shaken around on that road like you used to be so the job of trucking isn't as physically strenuous as it used to be fair enough i think so many professions require sitting for long periods of time and it's especially important to in that case to get up and get moving and i think people feel maybe like it's kind of intimidating to think about 30 minutes of physical activity every day or 150 minutes a week but in fact you can take that in small chunks it doesn't have to be 30 minutes at one bite doing a 10 minute brisk walk while you're refueling or after you've had a meal is a really important way to get in some of that daily activity and walk is a great activity. It doesn't have to be scheduled time in the gym doing something. Just get out there, brisk walk, 10-minute chunks, do that three times a day. We schedule everything else in our life. Why not schedule health time where we can do some physical activity? I'm going to tell you just a funny little story here about that. When I was a little boy in the early 50s, I was in Illinois. We would have supper. We had a lot of family around where we lived, so we would have supper. And then we would take a walk after supper, which is a very healthy thing. But in the neighborhood, there was a family that had a hot dog stand in their front yard. So we'd go take a walk after supper and go have a hot dog. <laughs> that was yeah, then, but right? But the physical activity is incredibly important here, no question about it. Indeed, indeed. And again, you don't always have 30 minutes at a time for sure, but you do have breaks that you must take utilizing those brakes. And a lot of the truck stops, too, have stepped up. I know TA Petro is one of our sponsors, but the other truck stops, too, they put in basketball, they've got walking trails, they have some exercise rooms and things like that. Everybody is aware. Let's put it that way. We just have to take that awareness and put it into action, don't we? Yeah, that's exactly right. And the thing is, the benefits of exercise start with the first minute that you're doing every week. In fact, that first minute is the most important minute because even if you get to 150, the last minute from 149.50 is not giving you as much benefit as that first minute did. So just, and that's really going to start making a difference. So I think it's a lot easier than people think it is, and it shouldn't be intimidating at all. Indeed, indeed. The next thing on the list, and we're not going to get through the list, I knew that, but I'd rather dig deep as you're doing right now. Tobacco, tobacco, tobacco. I quit smoking on January 11th, 1976. Didn't make January 1st, but then I said, hey, two ones is better than one one, so I'm going to quit on the 11th, and I did. But my point being is just like truck drivers, I'm in a room by myself, and back in those days, You could smoke in this radio. You can't smoke anymore, but you used to be able to smoke in the studios. There's nothing to do with your hands, just like a truck driver. So tobacco, I think, is really, really harder to quit for a truck driver than a lot of people because they're alone with nothing else to do. Yeah, you know, nicotine is the most addictive substance we have. 
And, uh, you know, that's not fair. Uh, you know, the, the tobacco companies have us right where they want us once we're hooked on nicotine. Um, and, you know, for most people, as you well know, it's going to take more than one attempt to quit. The important thing is to keep trying, keep at it and, you know, and really push. And if you can work with your doctor, because we have a lot of things that can help reduce the cravings um, and kind of also break the habit in addition to reducing the cravings for nicotine. So, you know, a lot of people have success cold turkey, but you don't have to do this alone. And every state has a quit line that can also help you find resources to help you quit tobacco. There's an organization called the St. Christopher's Fund, and it is a medical support organization for trucking. If you have medical problems, they help you with finances and rent and doctor bills and things like that. But they also have a great smoking cessation program called Rigs Without Sigs. And I know a lot of our listeners are going through the Rigs Without Sigs program. And there's some awards and some prizes and some goals and things like that, but it's well put together. So the industry itself, again, we are aware it's the other A we need is we need the action. We have awareness. Now let's act. Love it. Sleep. What can we say about sleep? I'm sure you are well aware that sleep apnea is, I won't say it's rampant, but it's very prevalent. And I'm a small yeah. guy. I have sleep apnea. I use a CPAP. And I know a lot of folks have a hard time with the masks because I've worn headphones all my life. That <laughs> The mask doesn't bother me that much. But again, sleep apnea, healthy sleep on the road, really a problem for drivers. From your perspective at AHA and at Northwestern, is sleep apnea, I know it's one of the contributing factors to bad sleep, but is it the major one? Well, I would say for people who have sleep apnea, it substantially disrupts not only the quantity, but the quality of sleep. People with bad sleep apnea can't get to that deep, restoring REM sleep because they have to keep activating their brain to open up the airway so they can breathe. So sleep apnea is a major problem. Many people have it, as you said. It is often, but not always, related to weight. So if your bed partner says that you stop breathing at night, this is a reason you have to get with your doctor, figure out what's going on, and see if there are good options for you to restore your sleep because sleep is so foundational to every aspect of our cardiovascular health. It affects what we want to eat. It affects how much we eat. It affects what we do after we eat with those calories. It affects our ability to do physical activity, our craving for tobacco, and it changes our blood pressure. It changes our, our ability to lose weight. It changes in some ways our cholesterol levels and our blood sugar levels. Really centrally important. So if you can figure out a routine that will improve your sleep hygiene, that's really important. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.